Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bay Bainter, Frank Craven, Martha Scott, William Holden, and Betty Davis. The Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Your host, the director of the star's own theater, Roger Pryor. Everyone, your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies welcome you to the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Tonight is truly an occasion here in the Gulf Theater, a double treat, a new radio story, and the presentation of the annual Red Book Award for the Picture of the Year. It will be presented by Miss Betty Davis and Douglas Churchill, motion picture editor of Red Book, to the people responsible for the motion picture, Our Town. But before the long-awaited award of the Red Book Cup is made, we'll bring you the stars of Our Town. Martha Scott, Frank Craven, William Holden, and Faye Bainter in the most pixelated radio comedy of the season, Drink a Glass of Sassafras, based on an original story by Helen Deutsch. During the brief moment while the stage of the Gulf Theater is being set, suppose we hear from a young fellow who hasn't missed a Gulf performance this season, our own Bud Heaston. You know, folks, when you start off on a drive in your car, the temperature outdoors may stay the same, but the temperature inside your engine changes in a few minutes from freezing cold to roasting hot. That's why, in winter especially, you ought to make sure you have Gulf Pride motor oil in your crankcase. Because Gulf Pride not only flows freely at below zero temperatures, it also protects your engine after it's hot. It's the same way with gasoline. Use Gulf No-Knox gasoline, and you're sure of a gas that will fire instantly, even in a stone-cold motor. You're also sure of smooth, quiet power after your engine is warmed up. Yes, Gulf Pride motor oil and Gulf No-Knox gasoline are a quick-starting, smooth-running team that see you right through the winter and keep your car running better all winter long. Thank you, bud. And now, on with the show. The Gulf Screen Guild Theater presents Charles Taswell's radio adaptation of Drink a Glass of Sassafras. The musical effects will be provided as usual by Oscar Bradley's Gulf Orchestra with Frank Tours conducting. Martha Scott is heard as Maggie, William Holden as Billy, Faye Bainter as Mary, and Frank Craven as Solomon Humbert, the corner druggist who also tells the story. story takes place in Rapeshire, biggest little town in Massachusetts. Population, 3,006. <laughs> my mistake, 3,007. The Bensons had a blessed event yesterday. That's my store, this end of the town square. Solomon Humbert. Drugs, herbs, and soft drinks. The square is a real pretty place in summer. Big elms, a genuine marble fountain that gurgles. We've got plenty of water this year. Had a wet spring. 
The hitching post is yonder in the shade. <laughs> That's old Whitey. Belongs to Larry, the junkman. Well, the year is 1927. The day is the 4th of July. I know because that's when we have our big picnic. This square was crowded with folks, laughing, talking, having a good time. Yes, and not paying much attention to State Senator Patterson J. Potsdam, who was up there in the bandstand working himself up into a lather with a real flag-waving eraser. Oh, my fellow countrymen, hold forever in your hearts the burning flame that was kindled at Concord and Lexington. Now... Let us all listen to the stirring music kindly provided by the Mozart Lady String Trio. And Mrs. Jones, if you please. Yes, sir, and after the speech-making, we all ate under the trees. I paired off with the widow Conklin. You see, I've been calling the widow for nearly two years. Some men might have hesitated to pay court to a widow woman, even if she was as pretty as Mary Conklin, knowing she had a five-year-old daughter left over from her first marriage. But since I was a widower myself and had a boy going on eight, it evened things up. Yes, sir, and playing there together at the Fourth of July picnic, there were two kids anybody could be proud of. I was watching them with one eye as I helped Mary lay out the basket dinner. And with the other one, I was looking at Mary and thinking how beautiful she was with the sunlight coming through the trees and lighting up her hair. Potato salad, spice pickles, the fried chicken, the butter. Solomon, darling, have you seen the butter? It's right there, Mary, back of the olives. Will you put down that chicken wing you're not supposed to eat yet? Now, have I forgotten anything? The cake. Don't tell me you didn't make a coconut cake. Of course I did. It's still in the basket. Oh, well, I'll get it out. No, no, you better let me. <laughs> Anyone would think I couldn't be trusted with it. You can't, darling. You pick at the frosting like a famished mouse. There. Isn't it a beauty? Looks just like a picture cake. What did you bring in the vacuum bottle? Sassafras mead. But, Solomon, I told you ginger beer. Did you? I was sure you said strawberry water. Well, then how does it turn out to be sassafras mead? I don't know. (laughs) Except that every time I get something in my mind, I just naturally reach for sassafras mead. Are you really worried about something, Solomon? Yes. Business? No. Not money? No. Then what? About you. Me? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what's wrong with me? Oh, nothing. I'm just worried because I can't worry about you the way I'd like to worry about you. (laughs) I guess that's not very clear. Solomon, are you by any chance trying to say you want to marry me? Well, I... Who told you? I'm a mind reader, darling. Oh, dear. I never expected to receive a proposal at a Fourth of July picnic. According to all the novels, there should be a honey-colored moon, a garden scented with jasmine. Well, I... And you, Solomon, should fold me in your arms, press a burning kiss upon my lips. Time and the world should stand still while a flaming meteor plunges to earth. Oh, what is it? Billy's baseball. Baseball? Sailed right spang into the middle of your coconut cake. Oh! Gee, that was a real homer, wasn't it, Dad? Did you see Billy, Monty? Say, did you see where it... Oh. Gosh. Did I do that? You most certainly did, Billy Humbert. I suppose you think I've nothing better to do than stand in a hot kitchen and make cakes for you to spoil. You come here oh, to me. Oh, now, Mary. If your own father won't punish you, I will. Well, look, Mary, He deserves I... a spanking, the very idea of throwing baseballs at a picnic. Perhaps after this young man, you'll think twice before you throw another at him. Well, I don't think the cake's all spoiled, Mary. Maybe we could kind of eat around the edges. Stop that, Maggie. Don't yell at the child, Solomon. I'm not yelling. You sit down, Maggie, and keep quiet. Sit down. Solomon, I won't have you browbeating. 
Mercy, what was that? I guess I sat down on something, Mumsy. My straw hat. No, Solomon. My new straw hat. It's your fault. You told the child to sit down. This town square is provided with exactly 1,294 seats. She deliberately sat on my hat on purpose. Don't be ridiculous. Aren't you going to punish her? Most certainly not. Then I am. Come here. Solomon Humber. Don't you dare lay a hand on my child. Maybe this is key to... So watch where you're sitting. Release that child. you sit down. How dare you? How dare you spank my daughter? Well, you just spanked my son, didn't you? That's entirely different. Oh, is it? Well, let me tell you... You can't tell me anything, Solomon Humbert. Now or in the future. Don't worry. I won't even try. And you don't even bother to speak to me again. That's perfectly agreeable, Widow Conklin. Good day, Mr. Humbert. Come, Maggie. Goodbye, Mrs. Conklin. Come on, Billy. Maggie got a spank and Maggie you got a... Billy Humbert. I hate you. I hate you a hundred, hundred times as much. I hate you a thousand, thousand times. I hate you a million, million. Well, <laughs> that was the way the Conklin Humbert feud started back in 1927. Then the years started slipping by, as the years have a habit of doing. Presidents were elected. Harding, Coolidge. Hoover and Roosevelt. And the doings of the boys of the underworld made kind of exciting reading for a spell. Lakes, Scarface, Pretty Boy, and Babyface. And, well, it, it didn't seem any time at all until I was handing my latest gift calendar to each steady customer at the store. Has a 1940 pretty girl on it in a red bathing suit. <clears throat> Showing off her legs, but might more than she should, and saying... You've tried the best. Now try the best. Humber, tonics, herbs, and spices. Telephone 824, ring three. My son, Billy Humbert, is now 21, and Mary Conklin's Maggie has just turned 18. They pulled hair and kicked shins all through grade school, and they've argued and fought ever since Billy graduated to short silk socks and Maggie to long ones. The widow and I have called a sort of truce, but not Billy and Maggie, although it's as plain as a front-page headline that they're head over heels in love. A couple of times we thought they were going to get together. Well, like last summer when they... Billy, let's paddle over to the pavilion and watch him back. Haven't got time. If we don't return this canoe in 15 minutes, we'll owe another quarter. Oh, Billy, look. Huh? Too late, Jimmy. What was it, Maggie? Falling star. Oh. Did you make a wish on it? Of course I did. What'd you wish? If I tell, it won't come true. Oh, it might. How do you know it wouldn't? Well, everyone says it won't, and if so many people say so, well, it just has to be so, doesn't it? No, because how do they know? Did any of them ever make a wish on a star and then... Just tell the wish to find out what would happen. Well, don't know. Guess not. Well, there, you see. You can't just take what people... Hey, look, there's another one. Oh, we didn't see it. Well, it was there. Just because you didn't see it was no sign. Well, I believe you, Billy. Make a wish? Sure I did. I'm not scared to tell you what it was, either. All right, what was Well, uh, it's kind of a funny wish. Well, I don't think it's so funny, but... Well, some people... Not so far away... Might think so. I wouldn't, Billy. You can tell me. What's it about? Well, it's about... It's about you. About me? Well, I don't see what I could have to do with it. Well, uh, it's about me, too. Well, I can't imagine whatever in the world... Maybe is... this is the most important step in my whole Billy, life. Billy, don't you think you'd better sit down? You can't take much of a step in the canoe. Well, know? when a man's 21, it's time he thought seriously of the future. Billy, you'll tip us over. Maggie, strange as it may seem to you, I love... Oh! Oh! I love you. My new dress and my new hat. Did you hear me? I just I said... heard what you said, Billy Humbert. And don't you ever dare say it to me again. How could you get every dream I've married? You're the best I've 
just a small sample of what happened every time Maggie and Billy got together. One time they went skating and fell through a hole in the ice. Another time they crawled through a fence to go skiing and Billy let down the barbed wire too soon, turning her ski pants into a hula skirt. <laughs> I never saw two young people who wanted to get together have such bad luck. The widow Conklin came down to my drugstore one day to talk to me about it. I don't know what to do about Maggie. She isn't herself at all. Have you seen my son, Billy? He mopes around the house like a calf with the epizootic. I wonder if all this trouble they're having is really our fault. Our fault? <laughs> you mean they're still thinking of that fight you and me had 13 years ago? No. Besides, we made it up, didn't we? You mean I made it up? You were as stiff-necked as a giraffe. Well, anyhow, we made it up. You know, I've often wondered if we could set them a good example by making up a little more. Just what do you mean by that, Solomon? Well, I... I kind of proposed to you 13 years ago, didn't I? Oh, that. You don't have to say it in that tone of voice. We missed our chance, Solomon. That day we were in love. We're not anymore. Oh, aren't we? <laughs> you can only speak for yourself. How do you know how I feel? Why, Solomon. Well, does that make you change your mind any? Oh. oh, let's both stop talking nonsense and talk about Billy and Maggie and what's to be done about them. There must be some way to get around their pride and their temper. Could we point out to them that normal people save their fighting until after they're married? No. No, I don't think that would work, Solomon. But, but wait a minute. Just suppose we... We what? No, no, that wouldn't do at all. No, no, I guess not. <laughs> but say, there's another angle. Why can't we... We what? No, that's even worse than your idea. <laughs> yes. Yes, much, much worse. Oh, dear. If we only lived in the Dark Ages, how much more simple it would be. How do you mean, Mary? Well, we'd find us an old witch who lived in a cave. We'd buy a love potion. A love potion? Yes, then after our children drank it, nothing could keep them apart. Well, why don't we do that? Solomon, dear, has all this worry over the children made you just a little wacky? Maybe. But if those kids of ours need a love potion, I don't see why we can't fix them up. Just what would you give them? Well, does it matter? Isn't the effectiveness of any remedy in direct proportion to your belief in it? Just look at all those bottles lining my shelves. Cures for rheumatism, indigestion, liver complaint, and what magic makes them work. Why, the firm belief of each suffering soul that one particular bottle will cure him. You're a very convincing speaker, Solomon. But what particular bottle would you suggest for the children? Well, <clears throat> let's take a look. Tone-up tonic? No. Ready rejuvenator? No. No, it should be something simple... Harmless and absolutely unbelievable. Like your sassafras mead. Huh? Sassafras mead. Of course. You've got it, Mary. That's it. That's our love potion. Only... Only what? How will we convince Maggie and Billy that this stuff is what we say it is? Well, the very best way is to get the whole town believing it and talking about it. Yeah, but how do we do that? You just leave it to me, Solomon, and take my word for it. Inside of a week, everyone in ratio will be firmly convinced that Humbert Sassafras Mead is romantic TNT. My best congratulations, Abby, dear. I hear John finally proposed after ten years' courtship. Oh, thank you, Mary. It was rather unexpected. Didn't I see you and John at Humbert's drugstore that night? Yes. Uh, John had a chocolate soda and I had Sassafras Mead. Now Sassafras we... Mead? Abby, dear. Do you suppose that could have had anything to do with his sudden proposal? Well, I don't... It certainly was strange, wasn't it? Proposing all of a sudden like that. Why, it's almost like magic. What? Yes. Come to think of it, Mary, he did act sort of strange. Not like John at all. Ah. He stared at me like he was in a trance. 
And you know what he said? He said, Abby, you're beautiful. <laughs> Had he ever said that before the night you drank the glass of sassafras? No, no, John's the shy type. But that night he was almost bold. There, there, you see. It must have been the sassafras. Why, it's amazing. It's almost unbelievable. That sassafras made you absolutely irresistible. Excuse me, I've just got to call Sally Marbury. Why, she'll be absolutely forward when I tell her the first question. Humbert sassafras mead? I have it on good authority. Sally told Betty, and Betty told me. It's gospel truth. Grace told Helen, and Helen told Joan. Humbert, sassafras mead. Sassafras makes you irresistible. Sassafras makes you bewitching. Sassafras makes you radiant. Sassafras is glamour. Sassafras is allure. Sassafras is desire. Sassafras is love. <laughs> well, sir, the whole town of Rapeshire suddenly went sassafras mad. Old folks and young, rich folks and poor, all totted or ran strolled or sidled into the drugstore to guzzle gallons and gallons of sassafras mead. That is, everyone except Maggie and Billy. The whole campaign seemed to leave those two kids cold. Then, just as we were about to give up hope, the widow Compton came hurrying into the store one evening, excited as could be over some tremendous news. Solomon, they're coming. You don't mean Maggie and Billy? Yes, I was at the movie, just two rows behind them. They had a terrible argument. Well? They're coming across the square right now, headed this way. Well, this is what we've been waiting for. Here they come. I'll wait in the back room. Gosh, I'm nervous as a... Well, well, well. Good evening, Maggie. Hello, Mr. Humber. Hello, Billy. Hello, Dad. I suppose you've been out having a good time, huh? No, we had an awful time. Oh, is that so? Well, whose fault was it? It was your fault. <laughs> well, sit right down. Make yourselves comfortable. <laughs> pretty chilly out, isn't it? How can you sit there and say it was my fault? How about a real spicy drink like sassafras? Who started the argument? I didn't start anything. You did. I certainly did not. On a night like this, there's nothing better than sassafras. Well, I'm going home. You needn't bother to come with me. That suits me right down to the ground. Good night. Oh, no. Wait a minute, Maggie. Gosh, you can't leave without having a drink. Why not, Mr. Humbert? Well, because, uh, well, because of bad luck. Yes, sir. It's an old superstition around soda fountains, now, you just sit down have anything you like. Anything at all. Like sassafras mead. Well, you can make me a soda. Make me one, too. A soda? Oh, you don't want a soda. Now, look. But Why I not... want a, a chocolate soda. Make it two chocolate sodas. <clears throat> all out of chocolate. All right, then. Vanilla. All out of vanilla. Also lemon, lime, raspberry, and cherry. <laughs> How about a sassafras soda? Sassafras? Well, really, Mr. Humbert, do you think we should? Hey, I'll just make a couple of sassafras sodas right now. You like them. Well... All right. Good. Yes, sir. The doctor was telling me just the other day that there's nothing finer than a sassafras soda this time of the year. Yes, sir. Nothing finer. There you are. Drink hearty. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have something to do in the back room. Sassafras makes you radiant. Kind of, kind of bitter tasting, isn't it, Maggie? Yes. Very popular. Everyone's drinking it. Sassafras makes you a I wonder if there could be any truth in what they're saying about it. Ah, ridiculous. Fairy stories. Sassafras makes you bewitching. Maggie, uh, Maggie, why do we always fight? Oh, I don't know. Unless it's my fault. I guess I'm just bad-tempered. Oh, you're not bad-tempered. You're the sweetest person I've ever met. Sassafras makes you irresistible. Oh, but I'm, I'm not really sweet, Billy. You're, 
You're so kind and so understanding. You just think so. You really think I'm kind and understanding? Of course I do. You're wonderful. Well, I guess I'd have to have something, not being much to look at. Billy Humbert, how can you say such a thing? Why, well, you're handsome. Sassafras is clever. Oh, Maggie, I, I'm as plain as can be. But you're beautiful, Maggie. Sassafras is desire. But I'm not at all beautiful, Billy. You are to me. You're lovely. You know why? Why, Billy? Because I love you. And I love you. I've always loved you. Oh, Maggie, we've been such fools. We've wasted so darn much time. We'll make it up by loving each other twice as hard for the rest of our lives. Maggie. Billy, darling. Sassafras is love. Stop crowding, Solomon. I want to look, too. And don't jiggle the curtain. They'll see you. Did you see that, Mary? He kissed her. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to be in love. Yes, isn't it? It's too bad we were the inventors of this sassafras hoax. Why, Solomon? Well, I might slip you a glass of this sassafras mead, and you might say yes to that proposal I made you 13 years ago. Even if I weren't in on it, your sassafras wouldn't have the least effect on me, Solomon. I'm not as gullible as those children. No, I guess not. Well, we can toast the kids' health and happiness with it anyway. Glass of sassafras for you, one for me. Here's looking at you. Bottoms up. <clears throat> Well, that's not bad, is it? Only it still beats me how folks have taken it up and swear that it's a love potion. Think of it. Just plain, ordinary sassafras with no more magic to it than water. Solomon. Yes, Mary? Solomon. Well, what is it? Solomon, I love you. You what? I love you. I think you're wonderful and very handsome and very kind and understanding. And I accept the proposal you made 13 years ago, and I'll gladly be your wife. Sassafras is the next. Now the gulf curtain is up again and our entire cast is on the stage making the curtain for us. You know, this is a mighty big day for them and for all those who took part in making the great motion picture Our Town. Because in just a moment, Betty Davis, winner of last year's Red Book Award, will be on our stage to make this year's award presentation. Say, Rod. Yeah, bud? Uh, Roger, it'll take about 30 seconds or so while the boys set up the lights for the photographers and newsreel cameramen. All right, bud. Well, then I've just time for something of interest to all of us. Folks... With the wheels of American industry geared to the job of building national defense and prosperity, all of us may well ask the question, just what makes the wheels go round? And here's an important part of the answer. One of the biggest factors in keeping the wheels of industry turning is proper lubrication. That's why the same Gulf oil companies who make Gulf Pride motor oil are proud to offer a full and complete line of industrial lubricants developed in Gulf's famous laboratories. In addition... Gulf offers a great lubrication engineering service. If you have industrial machinery of any kind, and if you want to increase the efficiency of your present operation, call in a Gulf lubrication engineer to consult with your operating men. He'll study the problem of lubricating your equipment and recommend improvements which will save you money on repairs and help you avoid shutdowns and production losses. Just as many a motorist is saving by using Gulf Pride motor oil, 
Many an industrial manager is today getting greater all-around operating efficiency from Gulf Industrial Lubricants. Now the Red Book Award for the Picture of the Year. Here is the motion picture editor of Red Book Magazine, Douglas Churchill, to introduce Betty Davis, who will make the presentation. Mr. Churchill. A year ago, the editors of Red Book Magazine established an annual award to go to the person or production they felt had contributed most to the advancement of the motion picture. Naturally, we wanted to make that award here in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. This is the star's own theater not just because of the famous personalities who appear here, but because, in return for their talents, Gulf gives so generously to the Motion Picture Relief Fund to help build a home for those in the picture industry who would otherwise be homeless. As the person to present the cup, we naturally chose Miss Betty Davis, the 1939 winner. She graciously accepted our invitation to represent the editors in awarding the Red Book Cup for 1940, Miss Davis. Thank you, Mr. Churchill. I was thrilled last year. But I believe I'm every bit as excited today because there's no play that I regard with more reverence or affection than our town. You see, I'm from New England and I know every one of the people Thornton Wilde wrote about in the picture. To see them living on the screen was an unforgettable experience. Red Book's cup is inscribed to the people of our town. And that includes the stars Martha Scott, William Holden, Faye Bainter, Frank Craven, Thomas Mitchell... Beulah Bondi, Guy Kibbe, Stuart Irwin, and the supporting cast. Saul Lesser, who had the courage to produce a different kind of picture. Sam Wood, who directed it with great imagination. William Cameron Menzies, who designed the production. Frank Craven and Harry Chandley, who wrote the scenario. Cameramen, the writers, the musicians. Everyone who had a part in the making of our town, we salute you all. You made a stirring and a beautiful picture. Just as Mr. Wilder's play merited the Pulitzer Prize, so does your picture measure up to the inscription on Red Book's cup. For distinguished contribution to the art of the motion picture. As an industry, Hollywood is proud of our town. And as an individual, I want to tell you, Miss Scott, how wonderful I thought you were as Emily. Performances like yours make a true and living art of the screen. So, on behalf of the editors of Red Book, I give this trophy to you, Martha Scott, and to Mr. Lesser, representing the cast and creators of our town. Thank you, Miss Davis. Start to finish, being a part of our town has been an exciting life. The rest of the cast joins me in saying that this recognition by Red Book is for us a thrilling achievement. As the Cup's first winner, you set a standard of achievement that makes us doubly proud of winning it this year. Don't you agree, Mr. Lester? Indeed I do. All of us associated with our town are deeply grateful for the high honor paid us. And in behalf of those who work behind the scenes in our town... We thank you, Miss Davis, and the editors of Red Book, Mr. Edwin Balmer, and Mr. Vladimir Vetlugrin, and Mr. Churchill, for this magnificent cup. And we are doubly proud that this award should be made here in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, which is, of course, our favorite radio program. Mm-hmm. 
program, ladies and gentlemen, is one that we in the Gulf Theater have been looking forward to for months. It's a wonderful story, a tender romance which touched the hearts of millions of motion picture goers. Love Affair, starring Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas. It promises to start off the 1941 Gulf Screen Guild Theater as a new high in radio entertainment. So be sure to listen next Sunday night when the Gulf Theater presents Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas in Love Affair. With music by Oscar Bradley's Gulf Orchestra, with Frank Tours conducting. Until then, this is Roger Pryor saying good night, everyone, for your neighborhood good Gulf dealer. Take it easy this winter. You don't have to worry about heating your home when you use Gulf furnace oil you know that you'll get full heating value from every dollar and prompt, reliable delivery. Phone your nearest Gulf office or your Gulf furnace oil dealer. Martha Scott is now working on the Richard Rowland production of Cheers for Miss Bishop. William Holden's latest to Paramount is I Wanted Wings. But he's been speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.